everyone. Welcome to Coffee Date with Purpose. This is your host, Wendy Payne. The next podcast that you are about to listen to is a sermon I preached at church called School is in Session. This is a story about the woman at the well and what is our response to people who are sinners in our community, around us? What is our response to people when they're maybe not like us? So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy this sermon. School is in session. God bless everyone. Who are we really? 
so here we see, last week we saw how Jesus had compassion on the woman as he does with us. He extends grace to us because we all mess up. We've all fallen short. And Jesus extends grace to us. But how is the disciples' reaction? And when I, when I read about this, I want to challenge each and every one of us. What is our reaction to other people in our congregation, to other people in our community, just to anybody around us? Because remember, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, all our what? Soul and all our mind. And mind, it, it kind of encompasses everything, right? Our thoughts, our words, everything, right? So we're to do that with everyone, but, but we don't always get it right. Sometimes we mess up, right? Any other humans out there, not just me? Sometimes we mess up? Okay, we're going to look at John 4, 27. And Jesus says, we've, we've kind of gone through the story now. Jesus has met with this woman. He's had conversation with her. He's expressed to her that he is the living water. If, if she was to accept him, if she was to have, you know, relationship with him, understand that he is the Messiah. She will never thirst again. And um, she has this revelation of who Jesus is. So, so Jesus is having a conversation, and we pick up the story today where the disciples haven't been around at this point. And all of a sudden, we see them back. Um, on the, the stage again, so to say. So it says in verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. Now I love, because I said, like I said, I love to, and again, not putting into the Bible what isn't actually there. I'm not trying to change context. That's not what I'm getting at. But I love to kind of just read into the situation, okay? The disciples, they, they, they're off getting food, doing whatever. They come, and they see Jesus, and it says, they were surprised. Hmm, Jesus is talking to a woman. They weren't too thrilled about it. And then I love what it says afterwards. It says, but no one asked, what do you want? Or what are you why are you talking to her? And as I kind of studied this verse and got different commentaries, uh, thoughts on it, I found it very interesting to, to get the kind of different ideas of what people thought. And I thought it's so true how we respond as just plain humans, not even just as Christians, but as humans. When there's a situation that we're kind of like, hmm, this shouldn't be. Because again, remember, she's a woman. Men shouldn't be talking to her. She's an adulteress. Jesus is a man. This is probably not a good situation for him to be in, alone with a woman. Plus, she's a Samaritan. So they show up and they're like, what is Jesus doing? And they say nothing. So I think about when we are in a situation, how many of us are in an awkward situation, and we don't say anything, but our minds are rolling, right? We've got all kinds of thoughts going on in there, and there's probably like this awkward silent moment, because it says they said nothing, so they're probably like, <laughs> you know, not wanting to look at Jesus, not wanting to look at the woman. It was an awkward silent moment. And I'm sure some of the thoughts that the disciples were thinking was, why is Jesus talking to her? Doesn't he know what she is, who she is, her lifestyle? And there's almost this kind of shunning towards her. So it makes me wonder, how do we look at each other? I can always tell... When somebody is, and you guys tell me if, if I, I need to put my glasses on so I can see. So you, you have to respond. And, and if you're watching online, you can, you can write in the comments, yes. Um, do you ever be able to tell when somebody is perturbed with you because when you talk to them, 
they don't look at you. Right? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, right? Like their eyes are like down here. They're, they don't want to make eye contact with you. It's that awkward moment where you're like, okay, what's up? Right? That awkward, weird moment where we don't look at each other. And I kind of get the feeling that this is what's happening here. The disciples are like, oh, we shouldn't be here. This woman is a sinner. And like I said, school is in session. And what I believe is happening here is Jesus is teaching his disciples something. Just as we read the word and we're, we're to learn from the word as Jesus is trying to teach us. That everyone is a sinner. And there is no greater, there is no less than, there's no like, oh, she's really, really, really bad. and She's not too bad. He's not too bad. He's okay. You know, it's all the same. We're all the same. I, I, I'm repeating myself because I know I've said this a couple of weeks, but I just really, really feel impressed to just really bring this really nail it home. School is in session. So Jesus is teaching them. All people are equal. All are deserving of love and forgiveness. All are deserving. Every single one of you, me, everyone is deserving of forgiveness. There's nobody that we can look at and say, not happening. And if, if, if that's us, if that's an attitude that we have in our hearts, we need to check that at the door and fast. And fast. So the disciples, what we need to understand here is the disciples have already been spending much time with Jesus. They've been hanging out with him. He has been like on a daily. They have been with Jesus. Okay? And, and their time spent with Jesus isn't like playing video games and talking about nothing important. Trust me, every moment that Jesus is with them, he is doing something to continue school is in session. Like he is teaching them everything that he is doing, he is doing with purpose and planning. I'm sure, I'm sure, because they're 12 men and Jesus, and I'm sure they were you know, being goofy and had fun moments and laughed. Some people can't imagine Jesus being a guy who laughed. I think he created laughter. I'm sure they had a riot at some point in time. But I also believe that very, very intentionally Jesus was teaching his disciples on an everyday basis. So why do I say that? I say that because the disciples have just spent much time with Jesus and still in this moment when Jesus is talking to somebody who is a sinner they still have a moment where they're kind of like hmm we're not too sure about this they still had much much more to learn as do we as do I. Much more to learn. We have not arrived yet. But here's the thing. Coming to church week after week after week, year after year after year, going to Braceside Camp and going to camp sessions and, and going to retreats and going to conferences and, and, and spending time in the presence of Jesus does not necessarily mean that we are Christ followers. Just because we show up to church on Sunday doesn't make us a Christian. No more than me putting a fireman's hat on makes me a, a fireman. Or a police officer's hat makes me a police officer. Just by Doing the act of coming somewhere doesn't make us necessarily a Christ follower. What does make us a Christ follower, what does make us somebody who is a disciple for Jesus, who is, who is on fire, is somebody who is in the presence of God and allows the Holy Spirit to change your heart, 
to change your soul, to change what's going on in your minds. Will we always get it right? No. But just coming here in this building doesn't do it. What, what we need to do is we need to open up our hearts to receive from God. Because every time we come into God's presence, we should be changed. If we come into church on a Sunday morning and we go home the same way that we walked in those doors, yes, I mean every week, every time, every moment that you spend in the presence of God, any time that you spend at home in the presence of God, every moment you should come away with something. Because when we're around Jesus and we allow our hearts to be open to hear from him, and we draw that much closer to him, we will be changed, people. I say to people, I don't want to be the same person I was last year, last month, or yesterday. I want to be on a constant journey getting myself better. School is in session all the time. There will never, ever, ever be a moment that I will stand here from a pulpit and say, I have arrived. It's not going to happen. Because I am human. And it is a journey. Just as it is for you. It is a journey. We need to learn from Jesus. We're going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I'm actually going to read it from the message translation. I came across this last night, actually on my Bible app, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is epic. So this is the message translation, and I know it's not everybody, not everybody loves this one, but it's just, it's just going to, it'll just tweak your thoughts a little bit. So here is Romans 12, 1 to 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Everything you do, sleeping, eating, your everyday life, going to work, whatever it is that you do, place it before God as an offering. That means that every single thing that you do needs to be something that you can lay and say, God, I present this to you. This is my offering to you. So let's just pause for a second and think about everything that we do, this is going to hurt. Everything that we do in a day. So getting ready for work and showering and brushing our teeth, all those kind of ordinary things. We've talked about our social media presence, what we put on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, whatever your thing is. <clears throat> what about what we put our eyes to? What we put our eyes to. So what are shows that we watch on TV that maybe aren't super appropriate and we shouldn't maybe be putting our eyes to? What are things on the computer that we're looking at? Would you take those things and would you bring them to Jesus and say, here's my gift to you? Or would you be like, this is, this is hidden. This is my hidden thing that I keep from God. I, I offer you everything else, God, but this, this, this one thing is hidden. And it could be anything. It could be a TV show, music that we listen to, stuff we watch on computers. It could be something in our thoughts, something we're harboring in our hearts against somebody. It could be anything like that. We're to give every, everything that we do needs to be an offering. That's huge. So when you go about your life and your day and you're talking to people and you're reading and you're watching TV and you're... Take everything into account. 
and say, could I proudly lay that as an offering to God? That's hard. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That means, you know what, let's think about all the amazing things that God does for us. That's, that's, that's what he wants. He wants us to reflect on the goodness of him and not the negative of the world. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many of us go about our day, me included, and we are so adjusted to the culture that it seems normal? We don't see the sin in it anymore. We don't see the wrong in it anymore. It has become so comfortable that somehow the enemy has been able to hide from our eyes the ungodliness in it. I remember years ago a pastor um, talking about an illustration about baking a cake. I don't know if I've shared this with you before. Baking a cake. And, and they said, they said, I'm just, I'm going to bake this cake for you, but I'm just going to put a little bit of cat poo into it. Just a tiny little bit of cat poo in it. Would you want to eat the cake? Not a chance. But here's the thing. The cake in and of itself is good. But, but don't worry. There's only a tiny, tiny little bit of cat poo. You won't even notice it. You won't even know it's there. I wouldn't try it. I wouldn't be like, oh, okay, let me just try and see if I taste cat poo. That's what happens when we become adjusted to our culture where we don't notice the cat poo in the cake. It's there. But we're like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's only a little bit. It's only a teensy bit. Jesus is going to be like, oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. School is in session when we fix our attention on God. When we fix our attention on God, when we fix our attention on God. I could just preach on this verse for Pete's sakes. When we fix our attention on God, it's more than just coming to church singing a couple songs, like Pastor John said, singing a couple songs, listen to some announcements, listen to a sermon, go home. Yeah, that was great. What did the pastor preach on? I don't know. I don't remember. Fix your attention, not just on Sunday mornings. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Re- readily recognize what he wants from you. When we listen to God, we will understand what he wants from us and quickly respond to it. Quickly respond to it. How many times has God challenged us to do something, to say something, to to encourage somebody, to love on somebody, maybe to give somebody a phone call, maybe to do something for ministry? You know what you should do is, how many of us have been like, yeah, I don't know about that. Let me pray about it for about six months and I'll get back to you. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, 
God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know what's interesting is, how old is this? Think about how many years ago this was written. And it is as relevant then and as it is today. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. We are surrounded by negativity. We are surrounded. All culture is surrounded by ungodliness. But God brings the best out in us, develops a well-formed maturity. Okay. So we need to learn from him. Being in church doesn't necessarily just make us a Christian. So as many of you know, I uh, got a gym membership. And I got a trainer. And I've been going for a couple of months now. And um, my, my trainer, her name is Carrie, and she's amazing. Um, she says her biggest pet peeve as a trainer is when people will book her as a trainer and they will come to her maybe once or twice a week and then for the rest of the week they don't do anything for their health lifestyle changing of fitness goals anything like that they literally just come to her for a half an hour session maybe once or twice a week they go home and they just live like as as they normally would and then they come back to her and then after a couple of months they're like I'm just not seeing the results. Now I'm going to make you all want to go to a gym after this. <laughs> I'm just not seeing the results. Why? Because in truth, going to a gym a half an hour a week or an hour a week is not going to make you a super healthy, strong, buff, whatever person. It's just not going not to happen. You can't go to a gym for a half an hour, go home, and eat cake if you're trying to be healthy. I mean, once in a while, sure, there's balance, but I mean, on a regular basis, it's not going to happen. So that's her biggest pet peeve as a trainer. Expecting results when you're only willing to put in the time once or twice a week. It needs to be a daily lifestyle change. It needs to be every day you get up and you go, okay, today I want, I, you know, there's balance. Don't everybody come to me and say, well, you're never going to eat a cookie again. Yes, actually, I had a Cinnabon last night, just saying, you know, admitting my, my fault. Um, but it needs to be a daily lifestyle, same as in our Christian walk. This is not rocket science. This is not new news. You're all probably sitting here going, yes, I've heard this sermon 6,000 whatever t amount of times. So we've all heard the sermons, but how many of us are actually putting it into practice? How many of us are making the Christian, the, the godly relationship, the ch being changed by Jesus, loving the Lord with all my soul, with all my heart, with all my mind, with every part of my being, loving God with everything, doing the best that I can on an every single day basis, taking everything into check. Everything I put my eyes to, everything I put my ears to, every, every thought that comes into my mind, because the enemy will certainly try to bring negative thoughts into your mind. Are we living that lifestyle that is a day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to change? Are we different than we were yesterday? Will we go home different than we came in today? Or are we seeing no results because we only come once a week? Ephesians 1, it just tells us that we are chosen. It tells us that God lavishes his love on us, that he extends to us his grace, that we have redemption through his blood. 
He loves us so much that he wants us to know him in a deeper way. But it can't happen just once a week. It can't happen half an hour a week and then go home and eat cake. It can't happen. It won't happen. He loves us so much and he wants to extend his glory to us. Just like the woman at the well. She was a sinner. Someone that the disciples were like, mm, I don't know if it's a good idea that you're talking to her, Jesus. Awkward, silent moment. But because Jesus did that, because he took the time for her, her, like she had this revelation of who Jesus is. Her fire was ignited inside of her. She went and she told everybody in her town. A woman telling. This is like, this is out of culture. This is out of the norm. This is not normal scenario. You know what's not normal scenario? Susan, I'm going to pick on you. I don't know where you are sitting. Susan Seiberg, where are you? She's here somewhere. There she is. Susan Seiberg is going to help out with youth. That is not normal culture. That is completely against culture. And I'm sure when Jesus said, you need to help out with youth, you were like, huh? Let me pray about that for about a year. <laughs> and I'm sure she's told her friends and they're like, but don't you know, you're not 20 years old. I know. But she's got Jesus in her. And she's got a lot of love in her. And she's going to extend that to the teenagers. And you know what? There is going to be somebody who she is going to speak life into. I told her this the other day. You are there for a purpose because God has got somebody who's going to come into your path, and probably more than one, who is just going to be like, you know what? That woman is somebody I can trust and I can share with and I can talk to. And she's going to be able to pray over them and encourage them and have, like, the Holy Spirit will fill her with the right words to say. The disciples, when we read through the word of God, it was like a slow and steady process where they were changing. They were growing. It took time, but it was slow and steady. And yes, they messed up. Certainly they did. And we're going to talk about Peter um, in a second. So turn to John 21, verse 15 to 17. The disciples, as they went along their three-year journey with Jesus, I mean, it was a process, and they were learning. School was in session all the time, every single day. There was no just hanging out with Jesus for a half an hour and be like, see you next week, talk to you later, and go about your life. They were with him every single day. It was a process. And yes, they messed up. And yes, we know the story about Peter, how Peter messed up. And at the very moment when Jesus needed his disciples the most, there was Peter who was like, I don't know who that guy is. I have no idea what you're talking about. But Jesus extends grace to Peter later on, okay? So this is after Jesus has, has arisen and spent time with him and... and um, Jesus reinstates Peter, and I felt to encourage each and every one of us with this, because this is what God is extending to all of us. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the world? Do you love me more than that particular TV show that you shouldn't be watching? Do you love me more than hanging out with that person? Do you love me more than watching that stuff on the computer? Do you love me more than you fill in the blank? Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. 
Jesus is trusting Peter, Peter the guy who messed up so bad, Jesus is trusting him with his babies, with us. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Do you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything about you? Do you love me? Go feed my lambs. And I love how God, how Jesus says, my lambs, my babies. As weird as it sounds to you guys, that's how I feel about all of you. I feel like you're my babies. And I, and I know that's ridiculous, and some of you are, are older than me, whatever. But what I feel like is I have this mama bear um, responsibility. That God has placed me here in this position to feed my babies. Jesus says, feed my lambs. God has entrusted all of you to me. I take that seriously. I pray for you guys. And I, 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 I ask God, you know, on your behalf. And, and, and I ask, what am I supposed to teach them? Lord, tell me, show me. Feed my lambs. It's a responsibility. You, we all have that responsibility. Susan, her lambs, her babies, are going to become those youth. Who's your babies that God is saying, feed my lambs? Is it your neighbor? Is it a family member? Is it right in your own family, in your own house? The biggest ministry, the most powerful ministry, right in your own home. When Hannah, your baby's right there, man, they are your ministry. That's your mission field. Is it to help pour into these little ones on a Sunday morning? Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, this is the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And take care of my sheep. Oh, take care. Love your neighbor as yourself. Take care. Be watching and looking out for them and make sure they're safe and protect them. Take care of them. Do they have any needs? See how you can maybe help them and meet them in those needs. What is it that you can do? Take care of them. Don't, not just feeding them, but take care of them. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He was hurt because, he, because Jesus asked him a third time. See, there was a reason. Obviously, Peter rejected him three times. So Jesus is reinstating him by asking the three times again. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Lord, you know all things. Makes me think of Christmas. You better watch out. You better not pout. Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows, he knows when you've been good. He knows when you've been whatever, however it goes. My daughter Tamara is watching online right now. When she was about four or five, something like that. Christmas time, I'm in the grocery store in the produce department. So I'm not even in an aisle. I'm in the produce department, which is open air. And she starts singing at the top of her lungs. You better watch out. You better watch out. Because Jesus is coming to town. <laughs> I'm like, you go, girl. <laughs> knows everything. Why are we trying to hide some sin from him? Why are we trying to hide some 
unforgiveness towards him? Why are we trying to hide some attitudes, some feelings, some, some hidden sin? I don't know why I feel very strongly, and, and it's for somebody either watching our online or somebody here in this room. Why are you trying to hide what you're putting, you're watching on the computer? It's just so strong in my heart right now. What are you putting your eyes to that is ungodly? There is nothing, zero, 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 nothing godly about pornography. There's nothing godly about it. Well, I'm not actually having sex. No, you're not. But you are putting your mind to something that is lustful and ungodly. And I just feel I need to stop right now and just address it. Not in a condemning way. But God has me bringing this, I feel, right now to just pause and just encourage whoever that person is or persons who is struggling with pornography to know that right now God has got me addressing this because he wants you to be free from it. Not because he wants to condemn you, not because he wants you to feel dirty or disgusting or sinful or any of that, but he wants you to be free from it. He wants to bring peace into your life where you don't feel like you have to hide anything anymore. When you are hiding something from people or from God, it is wrong. If it cannot be out in the open, it is wrong. So whoever that is, I have no idea. I just feel that I need to pause there and address it. Whoever that is, can I encourage you today to seek God? Or seek a person who you know is a strong, godly person that you can, you can um, go to in confidence and get some help. And know that God is calling you out right now because he loves you. He cares about you that much. He cares about you that much that he would make me pause in the middle of my sermon right now talk to you. That's how much he loves you. So whoever that's for, whether it's somebody in here or whether it's somebody online, I don't know, but God knows and you know. Seek his face. We're going to turn to John 10 in closing. Verse 22 to 30. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. What he is saying is literally, what my whole life is a, is a testimony to God's glory. Is our life a testimony to God's glory? But you do not believe, for you are not my sheep. Because my sheep, when we're Christ's sheep, we are in relationship with him. We are spending time with him on a daily, not once or twice like going to the gym and hoping for awesome results, not coming to church once a week and hoping for awesome spiritual results, but we are spending time with him on a regular. We know we are his sheep. It says, my sheep, listen to my voice. We will recognize God's voice. And I know them. Oh. Imagine God saying that about me, about you. Oh yeah, I know them. 
Tara, I know Tara. We go way back. We're buds. Well, when you hear people say that, you know, like when you meet somebody, oh, yeah, we've been friends forever. You kind of feel like you're like an out, like, oh, they've got this special thing going on. That's what God has with us. Oh, yeah, Len and Grace, oh, gosh, we go back way. Like, we are so tight. That's what he's saying. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That means the devil will try. He will come like a roaring lion. He will try sneaky. He will try all the antics to try to get you. He will tempt you. He will do it all. But if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you will not be snatched from his hands. Can I get an amen on that one? Whew. Wow. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Oh, we're going to sing, This is Our God. And I'm going to get everybody to stand. When we give our lives to the Lord, we know our life is not going to be perfect. But let me tell you, it will be much better when we are in close, tight relationship with Jesus Christ. And what that means is that we will not be easily offended. We will not be easily hurt. We will take things to the Lord. When temptations come our way, we will recognize them for what they are. And we will not be snatched from Jesus' hands. And to be able to get to that point where that happens, it cannot happen on a one-time-a-week basis. It's impossible. If you do not have a change of lifestyle, a relationship with Jesus, and I'm not just talking about just read the words so you can just do a check off, check, 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 I read those verses, yay. I'm talking about having relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about talking to him, going to him, praying to him, just like you Sit down and have a coffee with him. Find out what his wants are. Find out what he wants from you. Tell him what your needs are. That's what he wants from us on an everyday basis, not just when it fits into your schedules. Why is God challenging us so hard right now? Because I believe something's coming down the pipe. I'm not trying to be a hard pastor who's like, oh, I walk away feeling scolded. I want you to feel loved because God loves you so much that he is drawing you to him. He's begging you, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He loves you so much. He has purposes and plans for you that are beyond. He has purposes and plans for this church. And we cannot accomplish it if we are not in relationship with him. We cannot accomplish it if we are offended. We cannot accomplish it if we have unforgiveness in our heart. We cannot accomplish it if we have anything going on that is ungodly in our lives. 30 years ago, whenever they put this church here, and everybody was like, why would you go out there in the middle of nowhere? Well, look at us now. There is something coming down. Are we ready to receive it? Are we ready to be a part of it? Are our hearts ready to receive? Are our hearts ready to give back out? God loves you. You are his chosen. He desires to have relationship with us. As much as you can give him. That's how much he loves you. He wants to walk the journey with you. He wants to walk the journey with you. He wants to be best buds. one of us this morning as we sing this song it has been a very long time since we have had any time where we've kind of spread out at an altar and there is nothing magical 
weird hokey pokey about this piece of carpet area, nothing. But there's something about getting out of your chair and moving to a different spot. And this morning I'm gonna challenge you, and I know we gotta keep protocols, so stay away from people as much as you can. We all got masks on, we're good. But I challenge you today, if that's your heart, if you want to draw closer to Jesus today, if you want to be, I don't want to be same as yesterday, I don't want to be the same as I walked in this morning, I want to be new, I want to draw closer to you, even if you're like, I do that, I read the word every day, I mean Jesus were tight, that's awesome, but guess what, you can be tighter, there is never a moment where you're like, oh I got enough, thanks Jesus, I'm good, never enough, there's never enough. So this morning, will you sacrifice your will and your desire and will you move from your spot? And I don't care if it's two feet or six feet from where you are, but go somewhere where you are actually physically moving and saying, God, I want to be new. I want all that you have for me because something's coming and I want to be a part of it. And I don't care if I'm two or 102, I want to be a part of it because man, if Susan Seiberg can be a youth leader, let me tell you, there is nothing stopping, okay? Hallelujah. Let's sing this song and let's celebrate Jesus today. Let's celebrate his love for us because he loves us that much that he will keep telling us, Come closer to me.